Lord, we come before you as imperfect beings in search of a perfect relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would bless us doubly this night, that you would bless us in our spirit, in our mind, in our body, in everything that comes to this place and sits in this place, that it would reside in your kingdom tonight. Lord, that you would bless us with knowledge, that you would bless us with understanding, that you would reveal your promises and your purpose for our lives and for this church. Lord, we would pray that we would knock, that that all of the walls would be knocked down that keep us from interfering with what Satan is trying to do and to kick him out on a regular basis. Lord, that you would reign supreme in this place, that your your thoughts would be our thoughts, that your will would be our will. Lord, that we would be obedient, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, that you would inspire us and drive us on to greater things. Lord, your son, Jesus Christ, said that greater is he that, that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, you also told us that we will do greater things than even he because your Holy Spirit would be in us. So Lord, we claim that promise. We claim that, that ability. And Lord, that you would inspire us and that you would give us the skills and the gifts needed to be able to bring your kingdom here on earth. Bless us now, bless Bill in in the speaking and the preaching of your word, that it would be inspired by you and filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever had discouragement? Have you? I'm going to tell you a time in my life that I had discouragement. I probably had a lot more before that time, but there's one time God shot, give me a lesson. He taught me something. You didn't think I was teachable, but I am teachable. You need to say that with me. I'm teachable. Okay. I uh, was a director of engineering over hospitals. And they sent me to this class. And to tell you the truth, I don't know why I went to the class. But at the end of the class, they said, do you want to take a test for international safety officer? That means you can do it anywhere in the world. And have your credentials. Now this is just in like a six hour class. I raised my hand. I said, are you going to teach us? Or did you teach us everything that's going to be on the test? He said, no, everything I taught you won't be on the test. You're going to have to use your own brain. Well, you know, some of us have bigger brains than other people. Right? You don't have to say nothing. Just kind of agree. And so I took the test. And the test had numbers in it, like if you have a hospital that's 4,569 square feet and you want to build another hospital twice that, how much would it cost you? How would you know something like that? You wouldn't know. So I said, what state? He said, what do you mean? I said, what state would you build that hospital in? He, he looked at me and there's 50 guys in this class. He said, why would you ask that? I said, if I was going to build in California, the numbers I give you would be higher than the numbers if I was going to build in Oklahoma. The guy scratched his head, walked up, looked at his notes, and he came back. He says, you're right. So we're going to build it in Nebraska. I said, who builds anything in Nebraska? Now, and he said, let's go on with the test now. Lots of room in Nebraska, yeah. Where the wind do blow, huh? So we went ahead and took the test. 
He says, generally it takes four hours to do this test, and we're at five o'clock, right? So that means, you know, eight, nine, ten, you're going to get out of there. So everybody took the test. We didn't know he was going to take a test, but we took a test. Okay, 70% you pass. Everybody familiar with that? 69% you don't pass. What do you think I got? What do you think I got? You're wasting my time. You've got to talk faster. Yeah, with Nebraska. Okay. I got 69%. I got the highest in all the class. Now, I don't know how I got that. And I'm looking at that. And there's one question in there that I know was right. So at the end, he says, well, you got your scores. He says, I'm sorry that no, nobody passed this. And I know there was people that are smarter than me. They look smarter. You know about that, right? You know, people look smart and they look dumb. People sound dumb and are dumb. Okay, with me. So I took this one question up to him and I says, this question you marked me wrong, you marked wrong for me. And I think you're wrong. Now, understand, I didn't know this guy. Understand, I'm with hospital engineers, director of engineering from all over the South. So I'm doing this talking. Dumb, huh? Don't say nothing wrong, just sit there. So I said, this is not right, what you're saying here. He looks at it, and he looks at me, and he says, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. And I said, this other question, you marked me wrong, and that one's right, too. He said, well, I can't give you two questions right that you got wrong. They're either right or wrong, right? So he says, I'll bring this to my review board and we'll contact you. So I go back to the hospital. The CEO comes up to me the next day. He said, well, Bill, how'd you do? Did you get that degree? Did you pass the test? I said, in my mind, I did. But in the teacher's mind, it was no. He says, what kind of answer is that? I said, that's the only one I can give you. I know I answered the questions right. Now, I was close to not passing. You know, 69, 70, that's the long ways. You know. But he says, so what are you going to do? I said, I've done all I can do. I believe, now listen to me, I believe that God's going to move on my behalf. He looked at me. Now, this guy was a CEO of a hospital. He had a degree in in, uh, uh, theology. He had lots of degrees, smart guy. And he said, well, I don't know if you're going to pass him or not. I got a a point for this, so hang on with me. So he says, if you pass, I will give you a $7 an hour raise. I'll take that. I'll take that. And he said, but if you don't, then you lose six fifty. I said, I'm just making minimum wage now as it is. No, I wasn't making minimum wage. So he says, when will you find out? I said, I don't know. He's going to take it to his board, and they're going to review it and this kind of stuff. So he went to his board, I guess, 
And about six weeks later, I get this certificate in the mail, this big and this big. Bill Collins is certified international safety officer. And this day he passed it. So I called the guy. I said, did you feel sorry for me or what? He said, no. After we reviewed those two questions, you were right on both of them. And I've been marking people wrong for all over this country when I have these classes. <laughs> yes. But, but that wasn't my point of telling you that. I did get my certificate and I did get my raise. I didn't get seven fifty an hour raise, but it was $4.95. And I asked him, I said, why did you lie to me? He says, I just wanted you to feel good. He, he did lie to me. But anyway. Yeah, I don't feel good now. Okay, I said that because those six weeks before I got the answer back, I faced the biggest discouragement of my life. I got discouraged. I said, God, why am I in this position if I can't take the, the stinking test and pass it? Now, remember, I, I, by trade, I'm an electrician. And it used to be every little town, every little country town you went to work in to do electrical work, you had to take a test. I can't tell you the number of tests I took with knob and tube. You know what knob and tube is, right? I never put a knob and tube in in my whole life. But you had to take these tests. $35, $50, and then when you take the test, it's generally 10 questions, and they'd give you a license to work in that town. So here I am, getting discouraged. And the problem with discouragement, if you don't bring it in control, it will lead to grief and lead to sorrow. Did you, did that, was that clear? So I was moving between discouragement, I already hit sorrow, and I was really close to, to saying, well, I guess I'm not good for this job or whatever. I, I kept beating myself up. Anybody a professional at beating yourself up? Why do you do that? Okay, I'll, we'll get to that. I want to, I want to, I want to. Did you agree with what he said? See, I only got one ear up here. I, I just so as as I went through this period of time before I found out I did pass the test. My wife kept saying, "What's wrong with you? You're not going to go take no more tests." I've been taking electrical tests for years. All these little hole in the wall towns, so it wasn't a new thing for me. But to build a hospital in a few hours and know how much each square foot costs and all this kind of stuff. I had no idea. So most of it was a guess or the grace of God. Now, I got to tell you something. God's grace is big. There are times in our life that we don't do nothing but walk in the grace of God. We're overcomers by his grace. Greater as he is, it's in us. It's by his grace working in us. So I, I just got down and down and down and Aggravated, and in fact, the CEO come by me one day. He come to my office. He says, "Bill, what's the matter with you?" I said, "Well, I wanted that seven fifty an hour raise." He said, "Well, you didn't get it, did you?" Huh? I said, "No, I didn't get it." He said, "You didn't pass the test." I said, "I don't know that yet." But he says, "How come you're so down and out?" Because I don't like to lose. Hello, hello, church. Under the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, we don't like to lose. 
And it's time that we stand up and say, we're not losing this battle no more. We're not giving in. We're not saying, devil, you have your way. Take it. It's yours. We're going to raise up a standard, and we're going to say to him, you can't have this. And my wife kept saying, you got to knock it off. She's such a holy woman. I mean, give me this spiritual advice. Knock it off. Does your wife ever tell you that? Really? Just like that, knock it off? So, those days and weeks seemed like months, and even my crew that I had working says, Bill, what is the matter with you? Now, I'm saying this for you to understand. I took a little old test, and I allowed it to take the sail out of my wind, or the wind out of my sail. How's it go? The wind out of my sail. I allowed that little old test to affect me physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. I lost all self-confidence. Children of God, you cannot lose self-confidence. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And there's times in your life that you have to look in the mirror and say, that's who I am. Do you agree with that? And if you don't do it enough, then your self-confidence will go away. So I got this certificate in the mail. And it was like instant healing. I mean, <laughs> look what I did. Really, it was what God did. Because I really didn't pass the test by knowledge. I passed it by luck. Really, by the grace of God. Because he thought I needed that. Guess what I did? Got it on a Saturday. Guess what I did Monday morning? Walked into the CEO's office of the hospital. And I said, are you ready to give me the raise? He says, are you ready to show me a certificate? So I brought out that certificate. He looked at it. And he says, I know that you're Pentecost, so I'm going to do a Pentecostal dance. Stood up in his office and danced around his desk three times. Sit down. He said, but I'm going to tell you something else. I can't give you $7.50 an hour. So me being smart, now understand, I'm being smart, right? What do you think I said to him? What do you think I said? That's it. I said, but you said $7.50 an hour. More money. And he says, yeah, I know, but I shouldn't have told you that. You're the CEO of the hospital. Everybody reports to you. And you can't get this guy $7.50 an hour raise? He said, no, I don't think the board will let me do it. Well, you need to tell them I'm the most valuable guy you got. Now, I'm saying this to let you, to you understand. I faced the, the biggest discouragement in my life because I didn't, pass that, I didn't think I passed that test. Or I thought I'd passed that test. And somebody ripped me off. Are you hearing me? What you have to understand, things are not always as we think they are. This church is not necessarily what we think it is right now or what we see right now. Pastor, you need to amen me because I'm helping you. There you go. Get it up there. Going a little long. Because God's not finished with us yet. God's moving some things out of the way. God's taking care of some things. But I do believe that this church, and me and, me and Sister Pastor was talking this morning. I had her on the altar up here. 
And she was telling nothing but the truth, the whole truth, the hell for God. I mean, she was giving it to me. I, I honestly believe this, and, and you, I want you to pray about it, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Discouragement, grief, and sorrow is a spirit that is sent from demons. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. Pastor, I believe that the things that we're fighting in this church are those three things. Discouragement, grief, and sorrow. Because one's related to the other. How can I say that? Because I personally affected it. A lady came, a friend of mine came to church. And she used to be my watchman's on my wall. And when evil would come into the church or something come in, they would tell me what it was. So I asked her, I said, what's wrong with the church? And she says, well, I see discouragement, I see grief, and I see sorrow. How can that be? Is your last name grief? No. Okay. Is your last name sorrow? No. Is your last name discouragement? So if none of these names fit, then we of this church right now has no business accepting these spirits. Wow. It's going to get good, huh? You hope so. It's going to take a long time to get there, huh? So I made a handout. I realistically got six pages here, but we're not going to do all six pages. At the top, we should say, I don't know if I got this all right or not. Pastor, I'm going to buy me a mic. I had my wife go looking for one today when she went out of town. I don't know if she came back with one. We open ourselves to discouragement by insecurity, assuming we have either haven't done enough or what we've done isn't good enough. Pastor, I want to release you from that spirit or that thought that you haven't done enough or what you've done is not good enough. Did you hear me? Did you hear what he said? He said, amen. Somebody else say amen. He's tried stuff. His wife told me stuff he's tried. His wife laughed at some of the stuff he did. No, she didn't. But, he, but he's put forth energy and effort trying to say, God, what do you want to do for this church? Now, if he was laying down and dying, I would tell you flat out, he's laying down and dying. But the man is fighting. He's fighting with all the spiritual energy he has. He's fighting with all the get up and go. He's fighting what other people have taught him. That some of it's worked and some of it's not worked. But he's also fighting a past that's here at the church. Am I doing okay? We're doing good? I keep telling you he's going to take this away from me. Discouragement comes... And it breeds things like guilt and despair. How many is guilty of something? You ever been guilty over something? What have you been guilty over? Confession is good. <laughs> yes, I'm listening. You raised your hand too, didn't you? Have you felt guilty over something? Have you felt guilty over something? Not right now. 
Unforgiveness. Now, is that unforgiveness of other people or yourself? Okay. Well, I got news for you, brother. You don't no longer have to carry that guilt. You know that, right? For by his stripes we are healed, and we're healed. Unforgiveness is a terrible thing. It's an ugly thing. Can I tell you one more story? Is it okay? I hate that thing up on that wall. Man, I hate that thing. Okay. I, uh, I was running for sectional youth pastor it's many years ago and all this district over in Oklahoma Salinas Spiral, Poto, all those 11 churches so they got to the night of voting and for some reason people from my church only me and one guy went to that meeting and they voted and there was a 16 year old girl named Shasta so they their church put her in for that position. And 11.30 at night, we're still voting by secret ballot. Then 11.30, we changed. Raise your hands. How many wants Shasta? How many wants Bill? And went back and forth, back and forth. And I'm sitting by this elderly guy, Brother Elmore, and I said, Brother Elmore, I think I'm going to just turn it in. He said, don't you dare. I said, what do you mean? He says, don't you dare quit. You're the best one for that position. I said, I am. Yeah, I think so. Now, you got to understand, Belmore, he did prison ministry. Those guys are strange. He was four feet tall, this tall, like this, and he was four feet wide. When we go to the jails downtown, he'd grab all the bars like that, and no one could come in and no one could go out. He was so big. But, man, he'd pray with them and cry over them and everything. So this went on about 12 o'clock, and then somebody stood up and said, I am moved we set the bylaws aside and put Shasta in. And all these preachers that wanted to go home early, they said, amen, amen. Now, is that a chance or opportunity for me to be guilty? Is that a chance for me to be discouraged? Go ahead and talk, say it. Absolutely. No, because I didn't get voted in? Yeah. Well, See, part of the healing process that God does in our lives comes in series or steps, I should say. There was 11 pastors, senior pastors at this meeting. And these pastors, I know them. So they all shook my hand. Sorry, Bill, you didn't get it, didn't get it, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, okay. So then I saw one of the pastors at Walmart walking down the aisle. And my wife says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to get him and shake his hand and hug his neck. She said, but you hate him. I said, I know, because he didn't vote for me. Every one of those pastors over the next three or four months, I would run into him at a store or somewhere, and I'd go out of my way. I'd chase those suckers down, and I'd grab them and, hug, and hold their hand and hug their neck right in the middle of the store, a cash register, and all this stuff. Why was I doing it? For them? I was doing it for me. Because I knew about guilt. I knew about discouragement. And I had to stop it, close the door so it couldn't come in. Eight weeks went by. I get a call from the 
youth pastor of the state of Oklahoma. He called me up. He said, Brother Collins. I like it when they do that. Brother Collins. It sounds so spiritual, don't it? Brother Collins. This is, uh, I don't remember his name now. Anyway. I said, yes. He says, I want you to know that you are now the official youth pastor over those 11 churches. And I said, well, how did that happen? Well, you know the church that's in Pecola? Sister Shasta, that was 16 years old, got in a car with his pastor and left the state. And I said, so that means I win? He says, yep, you win. She lost, and if she don't change, she's going to hell. Yeah, that's the organization I want to be part of, right. There you go. Made me feel good. So what happened is the next two and a half years, three years, we had church once a month at a different church. What took place? Healing took place. Salvation took place. God moved on people. I'm telling you that God moved. There would be times that the guest speaker would show up and God would say to them, you're not speaking, Bill Collins is speaking. What's that all about? God will train his people if they will listen. Are you hearing me? And we're making a confession right now. We're people that listen. Say it. We're people that listen to God. Come on. We're people that listen to God. God knows best. So discouragement cannot stay in you without causing damage to you. Pastor? Miss Pastor? I rebuke discouragement that wants to come to you and hinder you for being to be all that God's called you to be. I'm going to confess something to you. I think you're a mighty woman of God. And God's got some big stuff planned for you. And it ain't over because the fat lady sung. Or the fat guy sung. Or whoever sung. So be ready. God's going to do some mighty things. And there'll come a time where you'll even like his preaching. Say it with me. Discouragement, leave me. Guilt, leave me. Sorrow, leave me. Okay. Turn with me to 1 John, the third chapter, the 21st verse. Rackin, you want to read that? 1 John 3, 21, 22, 23. It's in the back of the book. Read it. Okay, stop right there. Did you hear what he just said? If your heart, not the wife's heart, not the pastor's heart, not the youth leader's heart, but your individual heart doesn't condemn you, and guess what? I don't either. Condemning is a weird word. It's a strange word because it's positive and it's negative. But most of the time when, when you hear the word condemn, it's always a negative. You did bad. You did bad. 
But if we look at the Word, the Word of God tells us that He corrects those that He loves. Just like you do your kids. How many ever said this? I'm going to have to spank you, but it's going to hurt me. Every, both of my kids, when I spanked them, it didn't hurt me at all. My hand a little bit. Did you? You enjoyed it, huh, sometime? No. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Did you hear that word? Say that louder. Do you believe it? I don't know if you read. You need to read that one more time. I don't know if you read. Put some emotion into it. I mean, I can show your stuff. Come on. Is that a promise? Is that a promise? Sir, is that a promise? Sis, is that a promise? So that means if you ask something of God, God says, I'll do it. I could end right here because that was just really, I thought that was really good. Sis, do you agree with that? If you ask anything, he says, I'm going to do it. Okay, here comes a hard question. Have you asked something and he hadn't done it? Oh, I like that word, yet. That means there's still time for it to take place. It took six stinking weeks of me agonizing and sorrow over not passing that test. Ugh. You know, just made me upset and mad because I didn't pass that test. And I, I really, I was just being stupid because I already asked God, God, help me. God, we went, I did all that stuff that right. But yet I allowed discouragement, despair, and all those other things come in and dominate me. Church, I believe we've got people that come into this church are walking and living in despair. I believe there's people coming into this church are walking in guilt, stuff that they did 20 years ago and they're still hanging on to it. Why? Why would they hang on to it? You did something 20 years ago. Why? I got a car ticket. I got a ticket for driving a car too fast 20 years ago and I'm still afraid to go 30 miles over the speed limit. No. I got a ticket right here on Massard Road a few weeks ago coming to church. And the guy pulled me over and he says, what's you in a hurry for? I don't want to miss church. He says, how come? I said, the pastor's mean. <laughs> he says, who's the pastor? I said, Greg. And he says, what's his last name? I said, I don't know. But you know he's mean. Yeah, he's mean. He'll get me if I don't show up. Well, I'm going to get you right now because you showed up too fast. $168. Yeah, I said the same thing. But I hadn't had a, te- uh, I hadn't had a ticket in 23 years. He said, you ain't had a ticket. Da, 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 da. 23 years ago you had a ticket. I said, man, you got a mighty computer. Look again, maybe there's a, show no tickets on it. I still got the ticket. So if I'm understanding this right, 
and I'm grabbing hold of this right, then we, we come to a place. The lack of self-confidence can easily spiral into a set of destructive thoughts. I believe that people that's been in this church for many years, and they're not all of them are here, not here tonight, that there's some destructive thoughts harbored up here. I used to say there's cobwebs up there, but I don't use that terminology no more. But because when they look at the church now, and it's not doing what they thought, saw what it was doing some other time or some other period, it's affected them, and they moved into the spirit of, dis, of discouragement. Now, I'm going to speak to the worship people, but we only got one here. Oh, you play the drums too, don't you, Pastor? How come I've never heard you play the drums? We got a better drummer, he said. Guess what? You're off now. Do what? I told your wife, I met the guy today that used to go to the house of restoration that taught him how to play drums. Met him in the parking lot today. He, he was telling me about Jim, Jim coming to him. Anyway, where was we at? Okay. Can you tell the difference? Now, please understand that Bill Collins is not pointing his finger at nobody but him. Okay? Yeah. Okay. When you're leading worship and worship is going out, can you tell in the spirit whether it's getting to the front row or to the last row? Don't shake your head like that. Give them my answer. You can tell if it gets off stage. What happens? Or what doesn't happen? It, 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 it's, like an, it's like an echo that comes back. An echo that comes back. The, the spirit goes out and comes back. It's, it's a, a two-way communication. Okay. You always said on the back row, I see you back there all the time by that door. Like you got some kind of special privilege to sit back there. Can you hear the worship when it comes? Can you hear the worship when it comes? You can't hear the words. Okay. Tony, can, can you hear the worship? Okay. Does it hit you? Where do you usually sit? Okay. You hear the worship, right? Sis, do you hear the worship? Because I know you sit there and you sit on the back row. Do you hear it? So who's wrong? Him or you guys? What do you think? Is he wrong in what he's seeing or hearing? Or are they wrong in what they're seeing and hearing? Well, aren't you the middle of the road girl? What do you think? Tell us what you think. This group wants to know. I hate that clock, Pastor. Okay, tell us. She's got to stop laughing first. I think sometimes that it does start from there and comes out. Then other times it maybe starts here and it falls back to them and they stay. And it, might, it gives them an uplift. If they're doing it and we're all just sitting out here and not really maybe getting into our service. Okay. Okay, okay. I, I, you know, I'm 
Do you agree with what she's saying? The reason I'm saying that is we have to understand as a body, we have to work as a body. Now, how many watches the pastor up front? Three, four, five people. What does he do? Do you see him do this stuff? I probably ain't going to ever preach again in this church. You know that, right? He's like it. And then he realized where he is. And he comes back over here. And he goes. You see him do that? Come on. Don't be, be brave. The reason I'm saying that is he's the leader and we should be following him. Ooh. So everybody's got to practice their arm deals. You too. Okay. Okay. The lack of self-confidence can easily spiral into a set of destructive thoughts like this. God's full blessing don't appear to be upon me. Therefore, I have no business attempting this endeavor. Hear that thought? God's full blessing doesn't appear to be on me, upon me. Therefore, I have no business attempting this endeavor. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are an individual called by name. God knows exactly who you are. He knows your past. He knows what you've been through. He knows your family. He knows your dog's name, your cat's name. He knows everything about you. So he isn't going to give the pastor this stuff and give you nothing. This Sunday, let's all get up beside him and do it all the time. Okay, okay, I got to stop this stuff. Okay, number two, if doubt, I doubt if I have the skills to do what it takes to get the job done. Do we have the skills to get this church off the center? I hate that. He says, if God's willing. I'm going to say it again. Do we have the skills to get this church moving. He said it was God's will. He didn't say God's help. Do we have the skills to move this church to the place that God wants it to be? Why aren't you doing it? You agree with him? Better than sacrifice, that's right. What I'm, what I'm trying to do, if you can't tell, I'm trying to stir us to understand that we're valuable to the kingdom of God. And no one is in this church by accident. Is there devils in this church or demons? Yes, there are. Did we let them in? No, they might have jumped on our back as we came in, but they're here. But greater is he that's in us. How many disciples did Jesus have? 
And he changed the world with them. So we have enough people right here. Two, four, six, eight, ten. We need to get two more people somewhere. Yeah, oh, back there. Do you understand that we can move this church in a direction God wants to move if we, this 11 or this 12, does what God says to do? Not let despair come over us. Not let guilt take us. There's things that I've did in my life that I can't do over again. There's things in my life that I know I repented, repented over, and, and it's under the blood of Jesus. But at the same time, it should not stop me from going forward. And when I'm picking on the pastor saying he's doing this, I think some of us need to do the swim with him. Hey, that's the name. Pastor doing the swim. Remember the swim? Okay. Oh, here it comes. Oh, talking about the old folks now. Okay. Number four. I have battled with this weakness for so long, I don't know I will ever change. I battle this week with this weakness so long, I don't know that I'll ever change. Have you said that? Why? Hear me. Hear me, church. Thoughts like this is what adds to discouragement and guilt and sorrow in your life. What we're to do if we make a mistake is what? Repent. I'm going to repent and I'm going to throw that away. And I'm going to stay away from it. And if I do it again, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to repent and next time throw that snot rags further away. God is asking the church to rise up and be the church God called it to be. And quit living in guilt and condemnation and fear and lack. We are more than overcomers, the word of God says. Greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. I was built to win. Not on the football field. But I was built to win. You were built to win. God knew you before you knew yourself. God has a plan for this church. Come on, somebody needs to say amen. I'm doing some good stuff there. I'm going to hurry. Number two on your paper. <laughs> These defeating thoughts result from a combination of four unsettled issues. First, by the virtue of the blood of Christ, I'm cleansed and completely forgiven and stand as a new creation before God. That's something we need to confess every day. Quit looking back over your shoulder. Quit remembering things that you did when you was 20 years old. Guys, quit remembering the pretty girls you looked at when you shouldn't have. Hello? Quit driving that car as fast as you drove it. I can say that. Amen to that one. I am totally accepted by him, and he promises to be with me. Did you hear that? Sis, wherever you're at, he's with you. 
He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are built to be an overcomer. You have all of it in you to overcome. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So when the enemy comes knocking with discouragement, you need to stand up and do something. I moaned and groaned around for weeks because I didn't pass the test. I did. I did. Everything in life doesn't go exactly the way you think it'll go, but that's okay because God is still God. Oh. I believe, and I'm going to confess this, the pastor is going to preach better than he's ever preached in his life. Did he say amen? Did you say amen too? <clears throat> what was that? That wasn't an amen. I believe God's going to give him revelation. More than he's ever had in his life. Come on. Because if he gets revelation, he gives it to us, we're going to get revelation. If the anointing is flowing in him, it's going to go further than just right here to the edge of this pew. It's going to saturate the church. How about the old day when people walked in and, they, and as soon as they walked in the sanctuary, they were drunk? It's okay with me. How about you? It's okay with me. How about you? I'm ready for that spirit of God just to take over and saturate us and knock us around and heal us and raise us up. We cannot play dead any longer, church. Glory to God. I should have put some of this stuff in my notes. Okay, number second. God is my absolute source. Do you allow God to be God over everything? Do you allow God to be God over everything? Tony, do you allow God to be God over everything? We're all listening now. Did you what do you say? Okay. That's good. Have you allowed God to be God over everything? Have you allowed God to be God over everything? You tried? Have you allowed God to be God over everything? Okay, sis? What is your name? I'm sorry, the one here is Rhonda? Delronda. Hey, that's a cute, that's a song. There was a rock and roll song. Hey, Delonda, Delonda. No. Duron. Oh, Duron. So, if we're saying that we want God to give us instructions, God's going to do what? Instruct us. If God tells you that he wants you to give the pastor $1,000 so he can take me out to lunch, do it. She raises her hand. Now, I'm joking, but I'm also very serious about it. If we, the 11 that's here tonight, learn to walk in more obedience than we ever have before, guess what's going to spread in this place? The enemy can't stay. He can't dominate. He can't stop this church from going forward because the greater one is working in us and we're allowing him to work in us. And if we're allowing him to work in us, we're not walking in discouragement. You know what I love about this church? Let me tell you what I love about this church. I like it when new people get here. And my head's always turning. I got like a swivel head. See who comes in. I like it when they come in late and I get to get up 
before he gets to talking so much. And I like going over shaking their hands. You know what I found? People are surprised. Not so much I shake their hand, but that somebody noticed them. It wasn't the ushers going out the door. It wasn't necessarily the pastor, but somebody went out of their way to greet them. If you do it, 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 how many people are we going to affect? How come you came back here? Yeah. Did you hear that? That's good, huh? Okay, I've got to stop this. Let me read these last, the second one. Says, God is my absolute source. Whatever good comes, comes from the pure result of his grace working through my weaknesses. Did you hear that? Working through my weaknesses. How many have got some weaknesses? Understand this. God says, I'm going to work through those. I'm going to make you an overcomer. I'm going to lift you up. Number third one. Based on the second assignment, I will do everything within my means to make myself a channel for his grace. How do you make yourself a channel for his grace? Can't hear you, Pastor. How do you be available? He wants to know. That sounds really spiritual. How do we open ourselves up? Oh, I got him now. I got him. How do we open ourselves up? Okay. Okay. Do you agree with that? Sis, do you agree with that? Is there any other way? Come on Wednesday night and hear Bill. <laughs> In other words, God wants to do more for you than you and I can imagine. God wants to bring a revival in this church that this community will look up and set up and say, I don't know what's going over there, but I need to go check it out. We no longer have to beg people to come to church. That drummer I talked to today, I don't have to beg him even though he's driving all the way across town. But I believe he's going to come. The lady I talked to on the phone earlier, sitting right over there, I was sitting right there, and she called. And I said, Linda, you need to come to this church. She says, why? I said, because God's fixed to do a big thing here. God's going to do a big thing here. Okay, I, I, I got one, one more. No, yeah, the fourth one. I will accept the results of what God does through me as being good enough at this particular time. I will accept what God's doing, and it'll be enough for right now. I want God to do more than he's ever done before in my life that I acknowledged. I want God to reveal more revelation to me than ever before in my life. Though age always becomes a thing, God is no respecter of age. Other than he said, you young and should listen to us older ones. You like that, huh? Okay. Can we stand? Oh, man, I did it. Look, I did it. I got one minute. And I only got half of a page done.
Praise God. We as a body are going to do some binding right now. Um, and I don't know if you want to come up here. I'll come on up here. You want to. Everybody come up here. I'll protect you from the pastor. Everybody come up here. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you. I believe one of the first thing we're going to do, we're going to bind the spirit of discouragement in this church. I believe that God wants to do some things in this church mighty. A lot of churches are not doing any good at all. A lot of churches are closed up. A lot of churches are rolling over and play dead. What I like about the pastor, the one thing I like about him. He's not giving up. He's been through a lot. They've been through a lot. Not all people in the church are nice like us. Handsome like us. Beautiful like us. Smart like us. Intelligent like us. Rich like us. You know, there's, you're gonna, somebody's going to need to say amen someplace along this time. All amen is I'm in agreement with you. Is that right? Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to bind the spirit of discouragement. Now listen to me. When we bind this spirit of encouragement, you and I have a responsibility to whenever it pokes its head up and anybody we talk to, we need to step on that person's head. No. <laughs> what we need to do is tell them, you know, God's got a plan for this church. God's going to move in this church. God's going to touch people and people are going to be healed. This is going to become a revival center. And say it like you mean it. You don't have to say those exact words. But don't accept the words of discouragement from a discouraged person. That's right. And that's good stuff, huh? Do you agree with me? Hey, I'm the one who got you to go to pastor that last week. You remember? We talked about the name change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stood right behind you and let you do the talking. Okay. Do we understand? Let's pray. Discouragement is the first thing we're going to pray for. Mighty God, we're coming against that spirit of discouragement in this church. We bind it by the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ. We say, discouragement, you have no place here. You have no authority here. We bind you and we tell you, vacate this property. Vacate your people that comes here. Father, we're asking for a revival of freedom. No discouragement. None. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say that the sound system is going to be fixed. It's going to be the best in the town. Father, our worship leaders are going to grow. Grow in the worship and the praise that we need to be working in and growing in. And Father, we praise you and we glorify you right now. In the name of Jesus. Does anybody got any discouragement right there? Anybody discouraged about anything? 